I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. to another edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I call it something different every week. It's either DFS or DraftKings, depending on what I can get out of my mouth at the time. Uh, Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey, Tom. How's everything? It's good. We're uh, we're both currently sitting here. T- uh, Jordan Spieth is about to tee off, or has just teed off, um, at the Byron Nelson. We're both hoping for a nice win today. We were both very bullish on his chances. Sebastian Munoz did threaten to run away with it, but came back a little bit last night, which is good. Um, when I was looking at Jordan Spieth's record of chasing, it wasn't as wasn't as exciting as I thought it was. Like, he is very much pr- protectively better than he does chasing, um, which surprised me. I thought he'd be the type of person that puts a lot of pressure on going to the final round and and uh, comes up with some wins, but that isn't the case. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say is that and I guess it's just kind of a narrative thing, but it doesn't really feel like he's chasing today. It kind of feels like no, it's, it's his level moves. pegging, really. I think I feel like it's. I think just having that one, only the one shot cushion changes things a lot. Like when he was going to be two or three back, I was a little bit concerned. Um, but yeah, now it's now it's nothing. I, I'm not too worried. But no, I was just surprised. I just thought that he would be, you know, the type of person that comes from one to three shots back quite well, but never really has, which is. Which is strange. I mean, he, he has won, like a heritage. He's just won from coming from behind and the Australian Open, Valspar. But it, it just felt like they were like when he was one shot behind. When it was two or three, when I was looking before, it just didn't feel like it was uh, the case. I suppose he's just done it at the heritage show. Maybe I'm just talking too much. Right. And I mean, um, last year when I had him at Colonial, he had like a, I think it was a one or two shot lead on Kokrak and he ended up losing that one. Um, so maybe it's uh you know maybe maybe it's a good thing this week we'll see. Uh, all I know is it's probably a good thing we're recording this now because if he doesn't win this and you know I get my fourth straight second place, um then I probably wouldn't have been in the best of moods uh, recording it tomorrow or or Tuesday. Yeah, let's get, let's get all the good information for the PGA Championship in first and then we can uh we can lick our wounds later if it comes to it. But hopefully that isn't the case. Hopefully the next time that we do a podcast um which will be in a week's time. Um, will be you know just as jubilant as we thought it would be going into the week. So, PJ Championship early Sunday afternoon for you, Sunday evening for me. Um, full disclosure, I haven't really made my betting choices just yet. I don't know if you have yet, Matt, um, but but I'm still kind of jury out on those. Yeah, I wrote my preview already, so I'm I'm feeling pretty prepared. Um, really dove deep into the uh, the course and all that stuff, so I, I feel pretty good about it. Okay, so let's let's talk about the course first. So, par 70, which is obviously important. It generally seems to be the sort of thing that the PJ likes to go for when they can. Uh, 75-46, is that the yardage you've got? Yep. Yep, so obviously it's Southern Hills in Oklahoma. Uh, last time we saw this course, Matt, was in 2007 and Tiger Woods won, so we don't really learn an awful lot from that. Um, Gil Hans has obviously renovated it in 2019 as well. So, um as far as I can tell, a lot of trees have been removed, so it's no longer that kind of parkland test that it was in 2007. Um, distance is going to matter a little bit more. They've widened the fairways, the roughs less. Um, can't even grow so much at this time of year. They've shaved off the sort of around the green areas as well, and the kind of the only recent time we've seen it is the senior PGA last year at its Chaker one, um, which you would normally consider a fairly short driver of the ball, but out on the senior tour, he was 50 years old and one of the longer ones. Right. 
um, yeah, all that sounds completely right to me. And for me, it seems like it's going to play very tough. And the biggest reason is because, you know, in years past, you might think that really thick, heavy rough is what makes a, a tournament really tough. But it seems like the last couple of years, it's been because these guys are so long that the thick rough isn't that bad when they get into it, that the thing that really bothers these guys in terms of um, of difficulty is when you have those mowed off areas around the green and the greens are firm and they're hard to land them, uh, you know, coming in high. So you're kind of skidding everything off the green. That's when these guys get most frustrated. So I do think that's going to make it play really tough. And I think wind's going to make the course more firm. So I do think it's going to be really firm and fiery on the greens and it's going to, you know, make it pretty tough. Yeah. And I think, I think the point you made there is that like, Rough just doesn't isn't an obstacle. I mean, we hear this now. Rough isn't an obstacle for these guys anymore. Like they've they've dealt with rough for x amount of years. Where runoff areas always used to be kind of Augusta, Houston, and not very many other places. It kind of was kind of limited to where you saw it. And now they're kind of introducing that a bit more. Players are struggling with it. Um, requires a bit more creativity. Um, you know, when you haven't got the rough to worry about, it then gives you more options, which then kind of Maybe maybe gives you some um, indecision as well. So, I think there's a lot of that. I think the fact that the greens are pretty small, and they're kind of near pebble-sized greens, if I'm not mistaken, which is kind of ridiculous considering the length of the golf course. Yeah, they're not quite as small as pebble, but I think they're going to play as small or even smaller, just because yeah. they they create a lot of run uh, like the runoffs have created a lot of false fronts, and like you got to hit the right level or it's going to filter off the green. So, unlike pebble, you know. Sometimes at Pebble, you hit the green, you hit the green. But here, a lot of guys are going to be hitting those smaller greens, but they're going to be running off. So I think they'll play probably even smaller than Pebbles. Yeah, that, that, yeah. objectively speaking, they are still larger than Pebble. But yeah, the way they play, just because of the distance of the golf course, is, is kind of what I was getting out there. So good correction there. Um, what do you... When you look at a golf course like this, and it's, it's been since 2007, and it's basically a completely different test, different players... Are you trying to comp this to any golf courses on the PGA Tour, or are you just treating it as its own individual test? I would say individual test, but I do think, you know, and people get really upset about this for some reason, but um, I think the green complex, you can kind of compare to Augusta, and um, I think, you know, some similar players could do pretty well. Also, you know, it's a really, really long par 70. Um, it's it's going to play long, so I think it's just an all-around test you're going to need to have. Um, the distance will definitely be helpful, because when you're talking about firm and fast greens, long irons are tough to hit hit onto them so i do think distance will be helpful um but you know it kind of reminds me last year at kiowa we thought it was going to play so so long yeah and a lot of short hitters did pretty well so i'm not putting all my eggs in the driving distance distance basket yeah and i think also like scrambling is going to come into play that kind of stuff around the greens or the wind is going to neutralize but i do think with the wind and the gusts that you know i thought they were reported at one point you know sort of kind of like 40 mile an hour 50 mile an hour gusts which is you know there's going to be a pretty steady 20 25 mile an hour winds like you know that that is quite alarming. I don't know if that then takes shorter hitters out because they've got to try and hit the ball through that. It's it's tough, right? But I think I think like we've said a couple of times recently, like don't rule out a certain type of golfer, don't pigeonhole golfers because we see players littered at the top of these leaderboards that you just don't expect to be there. You see like Mackenzie Hughes contending at Tory Pines, like it it just happens, right? Um, when I think about kind of courses in recent PGA. Uh, championship history i suppose beth page black was a was a par 70 and that was 7400 7500 uh bell reeve was kind of 73 and par 70 as well so um a bit more kind of like those ones as opposed to maybe or maybe more like beth page black i suppose more than anything um 
I don't think there's too many similarities in the golf course. I just think distance and par 70 kind of plays into that. Um, and also I thought uh, ball straw was a little bit like that as well, if I remember rightly. That was par 70, nearly 7,500 as well. So um, just in terms of length and, you know, things like that, par 70, are we expecting a kind of single-digit score? Is that something? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think kind of eight under at the 2019 Brooks Kepka is probably a good target. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's going to be a really good all-round test. And one of the things I think there's a bit of a misconception about the PGA Championship now. I think everyone kind of thinks it's the outsiders major that can kind of go to someone, you know, with long odds. And, you know, okay, Phil Mickelson won it last year. And we know what's happened with Phil since, but... And it was a miracle even then. But even then, he was playing really competitive golf on the seniors tour and things like that. Whereas, you look at who came second, Brooks Koepka, Louis Ustazen. Uh, in 2020, Colin Morikawa beat Paul Casey, Dustin Johnson. 2019, Brooks Koepka, Dustin Johnson. 2018, Brooks Koepka, Tiger Woods. Like, it's reserved for the kind of best guys. 2015, Day, Speed. 2017, Thomas, Reed. You know, it, it, it kind of... I know we've had Jimmy Walker win one. I know we've had Jason Duffner, Keegan Bradley win one. But... You know, these guys were kind of suited to the ball striking test that were presented that week. And I think it's, you know, the, the skill set remains the same and you don't need to necessarily go on the hunt of long shots just because of past events. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And it's not just the best players, but it seems like for the most part, it's the guys who are the best players who are also playing the best at the yeah. time. And I guess he could put Phil in that camp because he was playing really well. And, you know, he's not your typical long shot. I mean, he's, he's one of the, he's probably a top 10 player to ever live. So I think, you know, you got to, once in a while, he might be able to rekindle that, and it still was a miracle. But I, I can't think you can't put him in the category of those, you know, crazy extreme long shots. Yeah, like to me, like Phil Mickelson, you know, we kind of spoke about this with kind of Luke Donald and Henry Stenson, who decides to miss the cut by one this week. That if they got into the hunt, like you trust them because they've just been there 30 mm-hmm. times, 40 times before. Do you know what I mean? So, that to, to your point, Phil Mickelson isn't, you know, it isn't like a someone else that's 200 to 1 this week winning Phil winning is a different kettle of fish you know he had to play well but that golf course presented you know we saw Podrick Harrington up on top of that leaderboard as well like it was a pretty good course for veterans so with all that said we've, we've got Scotty Scheffler at 11-4 no great surprise that he's the favourite uh, John Rahm 11-2 Justin Thomas 10-7 Colin Morikawa 10-4 and Rory 10,000 flat those are the guys at 10k and above um If I had to take one out, I would just take Morikawa out based on form, um, which seems scary because he finished fifth at the Masters after a, you know, a good final round and he was second at Riviera. But just elsewhere, he hasn't been maybe up to the kind of performances that I thought he would be um, and, and not necessarily the best golf course for him. With that said, every time I think about Colin Morikawa, he goes on some wins. So it's 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 really scary place to be, I think. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a scary guy to fade, but... Um... You know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was able to win this or play really well, but I'm I'm with you. He's not, you know, you can only play so many guys, and it's very easy to make a case for all of these guys above 10K. You know, yeah. I could see each one of them winning, to be honest. So you gotta, you're going to have to make some tough decisions, and I'm with you probably eliminating Morikawa, but like you said, it gets tough after that. Would you just play all of them at least once? Like, or would you just put a full fade on Morikawa just to be... Because I guess all of them are going to have a certain amount of ownership. Yeah, um, for me, I the way I play is just I like to stick to a core and give myself as many combinations with that same core as possible, so that if it does hit, that I have so many different avenues where I can win. You know, like yeah. if I'm starting at the top with two guys, I want to make 
multiple lineups with those two guys and then give them a bunch of different combinations. So if they win, like I think they're going to win, you know, not one lower price guy is going to completely derail me. Yeah, I think I think you're right there because I think one of the mistakes I make is I try and make too many lineups with different combinations of the top guys so I don't have to really pin my mask to someone. And look, if I had to pick one out of all of these, it would be Scheffler, which is very easy. It's very, you know, it's, you know, you know, you don't come to a podcast to find that out. But um, and then I'd probably, you know, have to take Thomas. I think he is just literally. Um, a good passing week away. I was very much coming into the week thinking it was going to be a Rory, uh, Rory McIlroy week for me. Um, but I, I just don't know. I I think with those two guys in Sheffield and Thomas, I think you're going to get the best run. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar to you. Um, it's definitely going to be Thomas for me. I think he has a you know a really good chance to win this week. It seems like he's been putting that, those approach numbers uh, together. Uh, and that's kind of when you see him trending towards a win is when you see those numbers, the 7.5 on approach, and they really start building like that. And I think he's kind of close. He's spoken about how much he knows he needs a major. He's not running from it. I, I expect him to play really well. Um, I'm going to be out on Scheffler, which, you know, has hurt me in the past. But um, I think, you know, it, I just don't think he's going to win two majors in a row. And at 11-4, he has to win. And I'd rather play Rom at uh, 11-2. But... Uh, JT would be my number one guy. Yeah, I mean, look, Scheffler for me, I, I'm very much the same ilk. Like, it's not even just two majors in a row. It's, what, five tournaments in eight or whatever that, you know, eventually all good things have to come to an end, right? I think I think he's he's ridden the form really, really well. And, you know, that there's, that's to be commended. But um, there's only so long that can last. I just think that if I had to pick the two most solid options, it would be JT and him. But... You know, Rams obviously just got that, just coming off that victory. You know, I guess that kind of will settle him down. I think is a massive thing. I think, you know, we, we still talk about John Rahm and whether he's got a bit of a temper. It's not necessarily a temper, but it's kind of frustration. Um, he's played five PGA Championships now, and he's got two top eight finishes, so he's been there. Um, comes on to Victor Hovland. Are you worried for Victor Hovland because of the the runoff areas and and because you know when when we were coming in we were talking about Victor Hovland um, probably at the start of the year everyone was pretty targeting this just because of the location of where it is um, as as an Oklahoma guy that that people just thought that he could kind of come in and do this but I don't necessarily think that's the case anymore. He's definitely lost some steam I think um, going into it I thought he's going to be by far the most popular guy at the PGA Championship because of the Oklahoma narrative but uh, I think people you know a lot of people and a lot of people at the Masters including myself and I think that's just making people think all right let you know let him show it before I actually go back to him um, around the green thing is a concern for me but it's not my number one concern with him uh, I just think his kind of decision making and his he just seems like he makes dumb mistakes at least once around that cost him a couple shots and the winner major you cannot do that um you know and some of those dumb mistakes are around the green or you know out of a bunker or um yeah i think it was a uh concession the wgc when he you know could have taken a drop but he hit it from the from the woods and it just he makes boneheaded decisions and that's what I, what worries me the most with him um with that being said i could still see him winning uh, he obviously has the talent and I think it's a good golf course for him. And, you know, I, if he's lower owned, I would probably take a shot on him. But, um, again, there's so many guys to choose from that I, I probably won't be on him, but it wouldn't shock me. So I think you're, I think you're right in the sense that, like, everyone's worried about the air around the green. And it's not necessarily – I think people get so caught up in that because, like, he can just have a – if he just suddenly feels good around the greens one week, then he'll be fine. So, you know, it's, it's far less surprising that that happens than – he completely 
my biggest fear of it's a Hovland would actually just be that he's never been there. Like he's mm-hmm. he's just not been there in a major. And I know he's won a lot of tournaments, and you know he, he's there's no doubting his mental strength. I do not think. But winning these major championships are a completely different kettle of fish, and you know he's not even necessarily. You know we talk about how many wins he's had. Uh, you know, one's a Puerto Rico Open with the, with the greatest respect. Two of them were on the same golf course at the Mayakoba, um, and two of them were you know on on the DP World Tour. One of them against Richard Bland, and one of them against you know Martin Keimer. It it you know there's just different variations of contending and different variations like if he's going down the stretch with Justin Thomas with John Rahm with Scotty Scheffler with Jordan Spieth and you know especially Spieth chasing that kind of grand slam like I just wonder whether he can cope with that kind of pressure especially with a glaring weakness like that could be when the chipping gets really bad yeah I, I completely agree with that and he yeah he hasn't showed us that yet and I just think you know he's he's an option but um there's just too many other good options Let's before we move on. Jordan Spieth is about to bogey the first hole, so uh, you know if our tone changes uh, throughout this <laughs> podcast, you know why. Uh, Sebastian Munoz also has an 11-foot putt for Parlo, so um, you know potentially we're uh, we're going to get away with one there. Uh, but that does bring Justin Thomas back into it, which I, you know if, if Justin Thomas wins this week, does that change your mind any way, like towards him, off of him? You know, because the ownership would go up, would that just take you away from him more? Yeah, I. I know it's crazy and backwards and whatever, but if he wins, I, I'm not going to play him. I'll, I'll play somebody else instead, just because you get ownership, dry, uh, you know, driven towards him more. And I don't love the back-to-back win uh, going for that because you really just don't really see it that much. I said I liked it this week with Spieth, which I do because I think he's kind of a different guy. But um, you know, if I'm if I'm a Thomas backer, I prefer he didn't win this week. Well, it's like you know we talk about Scotty Scheffler and how he went into kind of became the world number one. Um, you know, and then and then won the Masters on his next start. You know, after winning the match play, he's another guy that was kind of riding this massive form. Like Justin Thomas has been out of the winner's circle for a little while now, so him winning one and then going on to win a major straight away could be you know detrimental. One of the players that you know, and this is skipping a few guys that we're definitely going to come back to because I want to talk about them. But Sander Shoffley is currently five under through nine as we're talking. Uh, he just made the cut, and I was kind of really having to hold off quote tweeting. I think it was Amanda Balionis saying about how good he was for uh, making the cut on the number with eight birdies or whatever it was. And my first my first thought was, you know, are we setting different targets for Xander Shuffle now? Is, is, is grinding out and making a cut really exceptional? And, you know, it kind of speaks to where his game was. But the way he's played over the weekend is kind of exciting. I'm assuming it's going to get people back into him at 9-3. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I never play him. And I, you know, I didn't want to play him but coming into the week i was kind of thinking like if he's bad again you know i always talk about people play him way more than they should and i thought it was going to kind of create a situation where nobody was playing him and then maybe he is a good play because he can have one of those fourth place finishes i don't see him winning but i do think he could finish well um if 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 this makes him popular this weekend charge then i definitely won't be playing him but if he still isn't popular then i could probably think about it the only thing with me uh with Xander shuffler is that he's He's got a 10th in the PGA Championship, but otherwise it's probably been his weakest major, like two missed cuts, 35th and a 16th outside that 10th. Like, I know that's a really, like, if you looked at a, a top 8K guy or something, that's going to be a really pleasing kind of statistic, whereas to, to someone like him, it's kind of a negative. So it's all relative to kind of who you're talking about. But, um, yeah, I, I can't decide what I want to do with Xander Shuffle. I'll probably just ignore him because that's what I do. But 
I think the last time I tried to get him in because he made my sort of lineups different, he was trash, and you know I yep. don't don't seem to forget that very quickly. Cam Smith, is he coming to a golf course that suits him? You know, you'd, you'd think so, just because he's around the green game is so good, and he's such a good win player. But if you kind of look what he's done, most of his, you know, wins and when he gets in contention is on coastal courses um, with the exception of Augusta, which, you know, obviously isn't coastal, but um, you know, it's kind of a different animal in itself, but you look at Sony twice, you look at even Northern trust at Liberty national was right on the water. You look at um, the Zurich was on the water. It just seems like he's played much better in coastal courses. So middle of the country isn't really what I think of when I think of Cam Smith. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got, you've got the players victories, obviously what it is. I do think there was times where that could have gone a completely different way. Um, the Masters is just its own beast, like you said. I think that's... I I don't want to buy too much into... I like if someone's played well at the Masters and they play well at it this year, as I think it's an uptick in form. But I think if someone's just historically good at the Masters um, and played it well this year, then I think that's a different way of looking at it. Cameron Smith in the PGA Championship has gone 25th, miscut, 56th, 64th, 43rd, 59th. There's something wow. about the PGA Championship he doesn't like. Now... Are all PJ Championship tests equal? No. Um, would this one suit him in good form? Yes. I just I just don't know if I need to play him at 9-7, nor do I think there's going to be the ownership pivot opportunity with him um, that, that kind of rewards you. If he was really low-owned or something like that, I think it would make a ton of sense. But he's going to be popular, and, and you know I, I think I'd rather just go with the two guys below him at speed than Dustin Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree with that completely, but and I do think, I think the winner is in the nine Ks and he's in the low nine Ks, um, and that's Patrick Cantlay. And I, I had a feeling on him here, and I never bet Cantlay, and I never play Cantlay, and I had a feeling on him coming here for a while. Um, I was very pissed when I saw his price at ninety one hundred because I now he's going to be very very popular, and I was hoping they were going to price him at like ten K, so he you know didn't get as much ownership. I still think I have to play him just because I, I really do. I really can see him winning this thing. Bent grass is just, he's so good on bent five of his six wins. I'd, I'd probably say five out of his five wins are on bent because I don't really count the tour championship when he was given the lead and didn't even shoot the lowest score for the week. So, yeah. you know, he, all his damage has been done on bent in his career. He's playing really well. Uh, talk about Xander. I think he carried his, carried Xander's ass during the Zurich the whole time. So um, I just think he's, he's playing the best. And I think he's one of the best players right now. And I, um, the price is ridiculous though. What about his outright odds? I take it he's one of the guys that you are going to be betting on. Yeah, I bet a twenty. Uh, I looks like it's going to stay the same, but um, obviously would like a little better. But I think I think twenty is very fair. It's tough with Cantley because I never think he's value. Like, I think there was a time when he was really good value, and there was a time when he was playing so well that it was impossible to ignore him. Whereas now, I just look at like his recent major record since his ascension to kind of like the top of the world rankings. He's been really poor in the majors, and that. I don't know if that's just more self-imposed pressure. I don't know if it's unsuitable tests. I don't know quite what it is, but it, I, I thought it was quite alarming because outside of kind of 2019, where he had the, the T9 at Masters, which is, I'm pretty sure, a backdoor. I think, didn't he shoot one of those low rounds with Webb and Finau on the Saturday? Um, yeah. And then, you know, he's got the, the 2019 Bethpage Black, but, you know, even then, he was kind of miles behind Brooks Koepka. I just I just don't know what I think about Patrick Cantlay in major championships, whether it's just a a mentality switch that kind of costs him at times. 
Yeah, and I'd argue kind of now is he was playing well last year, but I think, you know, since the tour championship or since, um, you know, that BMW that he won, that's kind of when I'm looking at because that's when I feel like he's really ascended to the to a top five player in the world. So, um, you know, and I, and I think that the BMW, not that it was a comp because it was really low scoring, but he was just really putting it well on the bent grass greens. And then you had Memorial, which I think will be somewhat similar to, the to you know, a, not a course comp, but second shot golf course where you have to be precise with the irons. And, um, you know, he's a really good wind player, so I think that could help him out too. I, I, I get all your concerns, and that the, those are the reasons I typically don't play him, but I just have a feeling this week. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you, in your head, think he's a top five player in the world or you're playing like a top five player in the world, you have to bet him, and you probably have to play him, right? Because... He's not priced that way. Like I know, I know it does cost the ownership, and that's obviously disappointing. But you know, I think if you get him at that kind of price and you can do things with your lineup because of him, then he, he should be in there. Now, coming back to Dustin Johnson, we spoke about him last week and that people would be off him because you know people just don't seem to think he can win right now, and he hasn't played his absolute best golf uh, at the Byron Nelson, but he's been playing enough good stuff that I kind of think he can go well here. I think the test will suit him. Uh, he is plus one through the day through five, um, which is not going to do it here at the Byron Nelson. Do you, you think he's got a chance of winning? Yes, he does have a chance of winning. I'm not going to be playing him just because, there, again, there are other guys I like better, but he definitely can win. If you look at um, difficult par 70s, uh, I think he's in the top three, you know, rated out um, in, in his past 24 rounds. So he plays difficult par 70s really well. Uh, and I think he does have a chance. I just he hasn't been playing enough golf for me. Yeah, it's, it's weird that he hasn't really got himself in a flow, and I think that's a, it's been quite critical. I think he's tried to go maybe a bit more lightly, run into the majors, and just focus himself around the big tournaments, and that maybe just hasn't worked. Like he seems to be a guy that's better at building up momentum and clicking off his wins. Like you know, I think it's 18 of the last 25 winners of of the PGA Championship have had a win uh, before coming and winning here, and I think that's probably different now because. He used to be played later on in the year, right? Like in August, September time, whereas now it's obviously May. But yeah, I, d- I don't know. I-, I think I think if he was a much bigger price, like a kind of 25, you know, 28 to 1 in the betting market, I'd definitely be playing him because, you know, he was 22 to 1 last week. That's why I can't kind of work out. You know, it's almost like people think he's gonna he's more likely to win a major, which maybe that's, that's the case. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's tough. I, I did want to bet him, but it doesn't look like the number's going to be there. Hideki Matsuyama's proved his health. Three under through five at the moment in Texas. Um, I don't want to put too much stock into what they're doing at Texas, but I think one of the things that people have in their head is that like a birdie fest isn't a good warm-up for next week, and it isn't generally a good warm-up for the majors. Now, I would push back on that a little bit because people like Hideki, people like Justin Thomas, people like Dustin Zander, how much do they get out of just consistently filling up the cup the week before a major? Like, just constantly rolling in birdie putts. Like, just seeing them go in, regardless of how they know it's an easier goal, of course. They know they have to do it. But to me, kind of tricking yourself and saying, that I'm putting really well because I just shot 23 under par is probably a good thing going into a major championship. Yeah, it, it doesn't hurt. Um, look at when, you know, DJ won the Masters. He did really well at Houston. I think the winner was 20 or 21 yep. in that week. Um, so I think I think that's completely fine. And also, I think it it in a way it is a good test just because Texas golf is pretty similar to Oklahoma. Yeah. In ter- in terms of you know it gets a little bit windy in the afternoon. Uh, the uh, the weather's really similar. So I, I do think it's a pretty good warm up. Yeah, and I, I just think Hideki's actually 
I don't know what the ownership's looking at right now or how accurate it's going to be at this time of, uh, you know, at this point in the schedule. But he's already got two top five finishes in PJ Championships. He's never missed a cut in this tournament. He's Even when he's been out of form, he's kind of top 25, top 30. And I do think he's got the opportunity to go back. I think, you know, it's not just the first, you know, major since he won the Masters. I think he played pretty well at the Masters considering he was defending champion uh, with that 14th place finish. So I think there's a lot to like about Hideki Matsuyama and, Actually, he's probably someone I'm quite tempted to bet as well as put in DraftKings teams. Yeah, I- I'm thinking about betting him as well. And he was the other guy who I said I like DJ, but there's two guys in the nines I like a lot better. It's Cantley, and he's the other one that I'm definitely going to be playing. Um, I just like, I like another guy I really love on bent grass greens. It's, he puts much better on bent. Um, and he's just, if you look at what he's done this season, he's been one of the best players all year, I mean, huh. with the exception of a couple times when he had to withdraw. But, you know, like you said, that's why this week was big for him because he proved he can put four rounds together and uh, his approach numbers this week have been fantastic i think he's i think he leads the field in approach first or second coming into round four so you know that's what you want to see from him that's like vintage hideki is when he's just putting shots to four feet and kind of posing after it and i have that feeling with him that he's kind of right there and with that being said i think it's also a really good course for him yeah and i just i just think that it's we, we say this, well, I've at least said it a couple of times recently, that like, I like these guys that you're just waiting for the health to come back. Like, that's all we're worrying about with Hideki Matsuyama. The form is there. The form's been there for over a year. Um, you know, going back to last year's Masters, he's kept up the whole way. He's dealt with all the pressure. He won in Japan after winning the Masters. Um, you know, he played well at the Olympics. Again, you know, in a you know big high-pressure situation for him. Comes straight out uh, in the calendar year, wins again. And, uh, you know... It, it just seems to be like played well at Phoenix when, you know, somewhere where he'd expect to play well. And then other than that, it's kind of been... Like, Tory Pines was a little bit disappointing, but I think that the the health was a worry there. Riviera and Bay Hill the same. Like, if he's going to finish... And I think he was bogey-free that second round at Augusta as well, right? I'm pretty sure he shot mm-hmm. 69 bogey-free. So, you know, there's just been some really, really solid golf. And I think if you're looking for a guy that is generally pretty reliable in major championships. You're looking for a guy that's played well for a year. There's not much wrong with Hideki Matsuyama. And in golf terms, I mean, people forget this because of so many young players. Like, he's really just entering his prime. Yeah. It, seem, it seems like he's probably 35 because he's been on tour forever, but he's like 28, 29. He's, he's just entering his he's, prime. He's, he's literally 30. I just I just pulled it up because when you said that, I thought, how old? Like, I didn't know how old Hideki Matsuyama was, right? And that's wild to think that you go back to 2013 was when he was finishing top 10 in major championships so mm-hmm. he had two top 10s in 2013 he had a top uh, five at the masters 2015 two top sevens 2016 in the majors two top fives 2017 one one in 2021 like already started this year with a 14th for the masters yeah I, th- I think he's actually probably one of the most overlooked and i think a lot of it's because of health and maybe by the time this comes out or by the time you know the byron nelson's finished he might not be overlooked because people realize that he's not injured but i think i think it's good absolutely and you, you think two people um might think like oh it took him nine years to get one major you know he, he kind of isn't that guy but like if you look at it he's the type of guy who can win four or five majors in yeah. his career and it could be starting now no no one outside of tiger woods had the pressure that, that guy had to to win a major mm-hmm. like he was asia's hope and japan's yeah. hope they're fanatical right i saw it you know at st andrews i was amazed like bigger than like even the English support for any of the main guys. Like everyone was there wow. for Hideki. It was it was crazy. And the media was there. There was people that have just come over for trips to see him. Like he is so popular and 
that's a lot. And I actually, when you look back at his career, he's actually probably exceeded expectations because of, not from the media, because they're, they're really high on him, but in terms of what he could have done with all that pressure, um, I thought it was really impressive. So Hideki is definitely coming into my mind uh, in all formats. We had a little chat before he came on, and I said the name Will Zalasaurus, and you kind of chuckled, and you, you sort of suggested you might be out on him. Mm-hmm. I was out on him last week because I thought it was a birdie fest and that wasn't going to do him any good and I wanted to play him but just felt like there was better options elsewhere and that proved correct. I'm pretty sure that's what I said. I need to check back. But, um, you know, it's that's how I felt. I felt like he had more of a chance of winning this week than last week. And mm-hmm. I still feel the same way. I still think this is a great tournament for him. I think the smaller greens maybe help him. And it was weird because I kind of in my head I thought right okay small greens is beneficial to him because his ball striking is superior because um, if, if there's less distance maybe he can't free putt but then I was listening to uh, the guy that does greens but he said there would be quite a lot of free putts just because of the, the way they run and the speed so I don't know quite what to believe about the putting chances of Bozzo's Oris this week yeah and just as a side note we're back baby Jordan birdie too there we go we're flying uh, let's um, go and uh, yeah, for for Willie, I mean, I never ever play him, and I'm really mad at myself for playing him last week. And if Spieth wins, and all is forgiven, but <laughs> um, but I just I I don't like going to him just because he's always and he's very good, but he's always more popular than he should be, in my opinion. People seem to absolutely love him, and will that change next week because uh, people felt a bit scorned this week? Maybe maybe not. I think the majors bring a lot of people in the woodwork who probably weren't even playing this week, so yeah. um, I still think he'll be pretty popular. And then you know, for me. I would just much rather play Joaquin Neiman at a little bit cheaper. Uh, and I think he has a great chance to win. And I've actually bet him at 55 to 1, too. Yes, I don't know what to do with Joaquin Neiman. I'm pretty sure you said that you liked him for the Byron Nelson. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I didn't particularly see it. And then he's he's right up there, right? Like He's, he's literally one behind as we speak. So um, I like Zalasaurus. I think the tr- problem with Zalasaurus is exactly what you said. Like the ownership, everyone just wants to be on that first victory for Zalasaurus. Everyone wants to say, "I was there. He won me money that week when when he won his first tournament." And you know that that he's just a likable character as far as I can tell. He's a, he's a great ball striker. He does everything that you want from a modern player. So I think all of those things said, that's just what he is. Um, before we come on to Neiman, there's just a couple of names. Obviously, Sam Burns. You've been kind of a little bit down on you know just over the last couple of <laughs> last couple of podcasts like missed the cut just now in a tournament yeah. that you know we really would have expected him to do well um you know you tried to talk me off of him i just said no he's gonna go back and do what he does and repeat the courses he didn't uh it stinks for me um gonna be a lot of tickets on him anti-post for this tournament there's gonna be a lot of people hoping that he's gonna win but uh just don't see it now yeah, you should go sell him for a pack of gum if you have one. <laughs> no, uh, I'm just kidding. He, No, I, I'm not going to say he can win because I really don't think he can. Um, he hasn't shown anything to me in major championships yet. Uh, he usually comes into a birdie fest like we see this week, and this is his, completely his jam, the place where you expect him to be great, and he misses the cut. So even if he was great this week, I wouldn't be playing him. So the fact that he didn't play great, I just have completely no interest whatsoever. Um, he really hasn't played all that well on difficult golf courses. I know he won Valspar, but it was very soft that week, and he got up to like 15 under. Yeah. So, so it wasn't that tough. But um, And he missed the cut at the Masters. Everyone thought he was going to be pretty good there, too. His skill set, should, skill set should fit. And he just has shown me nothing to make me think he's a viable play right here. I just think that, like, 
for me, like it was one of those ones where I just expected him to be really popular going in. I thought he was going to have a good week this week, so that was going to just keep up for next week. And but you, you've almost felt like you had to play him because the form was so good. Now he's missed the cut, and and it's a golf course that might not necessarily play into his strengths in terms of around the greens and and on them. Like it's not Bermuda, it's 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 bent grass greens. Like I know he's done okay on bent grass, but it to me, I just yeah, I, I think I'm out on Sam Burns, which is not somewhere I wanted to be because as we were going into these kind of podcasts, I quite enjoyed the fact that I was on him, you weren't. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, no, I think I think maybe I'm about to give up on him, which is horrible because it'll probably be the week he does it. But uh, I can live with you know, it. I did say last week too that I thought Ben Grass wasn't good for him. I thought his putter and the Bermuda stretch was really carrying him. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of revert back this week and it did, so. Yeah. No, no, it makes a ton of sense. Shane Lowry is going to be a harder person to ignore, I think. Like, he is just playing such good golf. Uh, you know, we talk about the fact that winning is, you know, seems to be a prerequisite for most winners uh, of this event uh, in a season. He hasn't done that, but he's he's darn near done as, as close as possible as you can. He's, he's had a couple of opportunities. And actually, he's, he's got two top eight finishes, three top 12s in the PGA Championship. So there seems to be something about these setups that he likes. I know, obviously... Um, Last year was kind of like a Sunday um, charge. We shot 69 on a really tough scoring day, which is kind of Shane Larry's MO, right? Um, when he was eighth, he, he started slowly, but I think it was he was 12th in 2018. He started pretty well. So I do think now he, he just seems to be one of those like perennial contenders for these events and, and someone that I do think you have to kind of consider. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be pretty popular because of that. I think a lot of people are seeing that. He's been trending all year. Uh, and, you know, you might think this could be a place that, that fits him. You, you know, it's going to be windy, which he's good with. The one thing I'll say is if I, I envision Lowry, you know, winning a major, another major, it's hard to see it on like a, it's going to be like 94 degrees next week. Yeah. And for, for me, that's not really when I picture Lowry doing. I mean, he was great at the Masters and it played difficult, but it was windy, it was chilly, it was drizzly, it was just, it was Lowry, right? And so for me, it's just harder to envision him kind of getting it done on, you know, this this type of week strokes lost uh overweight golfers is probably a thing <laughs> yes. in oklahoma right i think i think that's absolutely fine. i know how much i would struggle in that kind of temperatures so uh, <laughs> yeah shane lowry uh could 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 have some of uh, negatives there daniel berger is someone that you've been out on i think it's fair to say um mm-hmm. terrible really in majors outside of a couple uh, he's got two top top 13 finishes here, but otherwise kind of like 70th place finishes and missed cuts. And he's played in a bunch of them now. And I don't know if he's tight, like because his irons were so good for so long. Like I think everyone was kind of willing to forgive him. Um, you know, he's a Florida guy, so he's kind of got that kind of heat aspect, I guess. But, you know, I, I just think that, I don't know. I used to think he was a really good major player because he had those kind of top 10 finishes. And he had two top 10s last year. I just, I don't know. I guess I, I've probably overrated him in the past, and now I'm looking like I'm going to go the other way. I just don't know. Like Two of his wins have come at the same event. One's come at Pebble, which is an event he would have been favourite for most times he's teed it up there. And the other one come at Colonial. They're, they're, they're very clear what those kind of tests are, like shorter golf courses that, that require just kind of like pitch and putt style golf. I think I'm probably out on Daniel Berger. I'm definitely out. And actually, I said I was out at the Masters, but I actually was backing on him at Heritage just because I think 
the short courses are just what he does. Uh, I don't want to play him at this is going to be one of the longer majors we've seen. And I know Kia was really long for a par and it was a par 72, but for a par 70, the 7,500 yards is very long. It's going to play, I think, even longer. And I'm not, I don't want to play him on long golf courses. I think he's, he is a good player, but I think he's almost just like, you know, Webb Simpson of four or five years ago. And I know, you know he won a U.S. Open, whatever. But I just think for Berger, he's just not the – I want to target him at specific courses, and this certainly is not one of them. I suppose with Berger, like, I think because his ball striking was so supreme for, for a little while that he just had that – so, like, last year at Torrey Pines, fine around 68 when a lot of people struggled, that just vaults him inside the top 10 where he was otherwise just not in contention, right? And I just think that you have to look at the nature of his top 10 finishes at majors and just see how good they were. I'm pretty sure wasn't he one of the guys that benefited from the weather split at the US Open in 2018, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, as well, where he kind of shot a low round while everyone was going out in bad conditions. So, um, you know, I, I just think that, I'm pretty sure was it him and Tommy Fleetwood that did that, or him and Finau, I can't remember who it was. They shot, yeah, yeah. Somewhere. They shot 66s on the Saturday, I think, and uh, kind of just shot themselves up there. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't know. I think, I think he's slightly disappointing for the golfer he is, and I think, like you say, he's probably got quite a limited skill set give us the what we'll do now is give us a lowdown on Wacky Neiman and then we'll just come on to guys that we do like as opposed to going one by one yeah yeah I love Neiman um again and I've, I've said this a bunch of times today but he's, he's just a much better putter on bent and he mm-hmm. showed that again this week in in Texas and um you know we, and we saw it uh when when he won at Genesis and he just you know I just think it's a spot for him. I've always thought, you know, I've been saying this since he was 19 that I thought he could, he's a type of guy who can go out and win a PGA championship. Uh, he just, he just seemed like that type of guy to me. Uh, he has the distance that you'd like here. You know, he's not going to have to hit longer irons into the greens that most people do. He's sneaky, sneaky long. No one realizes, you know, how actually long he is. Um, his iron game has been good. It's been trending better and better. And the biggest thing is that around the green game, you know, it used to be, think of it as a weakness, um, when he was 19, 20, 21, but he's gotten so much better now. He, now he ranks fourth in strokes gained around the green uh, in his past 24 rounds. And every time you say maybe it's an outlier, he just continued to produce those results around the green week in, week out. And he's gotten really creative uh, around the greens. And I think now that he's turned that weakness into a strength, um, that and that should suit on this golf course. Never played well at a major championship, though, has he? Would be my, would be yeah. my only concern. Now, that has to change, you would think, for... Now, I think we've got a we've got a couple of those candidates this year. One that's also in this 8K range that you would expect that to happen at some point. Is that a concern, or do you think it's just going to regress? I mean, he's only 23 years of age, so I think when we think about kind of Victor Hovland's and Morikawa's and people like that, and think Scheffler and how they've done so much so quickly, you know, he is still younger. Like 23 years of age is nothing, um, and I think that's probably being overlooked. Like he was 23rd at the US Open, he shot a final around 77. Um, I, I just I don't know I, I I think what I would say is if he gets himself into that kind of position which I think he can then I think he'll he'll run with it like I think I think he'll be really impressive in contention the first time out like I think people there'll be all these questions about can Wacky and Neiman cope with the pressure um, and you know he showed little bits of you know little chinks in his armour at the Riviera and needed it Cameron Young in but I do think he'd be solid and, and hit all the right shots I think so too, and like you said, he is very, very young, and I, that probably would have kept me off of him with the no major experience. But the Riviera win, you know, was a big boy field, big boy course, and he was able to still get it done there. So that makes me feel a little bit better about it. 
Um, and also, you know, at this price, he doesn't need a win, but I can see him, you know, playing well and, and paying off his price tag. Yeah, I agree with that. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an exciting time for the Lost Words podcast because not only is it major championship season, but it's also new ad read season. Now, Manscaped have been a tremendous sponsor for the podcast, providing great equipment to our hosts and an awesome discount for our listeners. Summer is here, the sun is shining, shirts are off, and your balls are smooth. You heard that right. Your friends at Manscaped are here to make sure that your beach balls are as smooth as Floridian sand. Now, in the summer, you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues, not kill the vibe of your pubes peeking out of your swim trunks. That's why Manscaped has their Performance Package 4.0 to keep the party in your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. So dive headfirst into the summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com and using code LFW20 for 20% off and free shipping. Now the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare for that summer board. Inside this package you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxes Briefs and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using that code LFW20. That is 20% off with the code LFW20 and free shipping at manscaped.com. This is the summer to turn your package into the full package with Manscaped. I'm going to be out on Sung Jm, but he just seems to do it. Like He just seems to come back and pop up at major championships and, and show his face. Maybe it's just limited to the Masters, though. Like... I know he was 17th at the PGA last year, but otherwise he's been kind of top 35, which is, you know, average. Even when you look at the players, nothing better than 17th. If you look at the WGCs, nothing better than, you know, 11th. Like, I, I just think it's kind of missing at the moment for that next level, despite the fact that he's obviously a very good winner when he's in contention. Yeah, I'm not going to play him. I typically never play him. And the fact that he's coming off the COVID um just last week that you, you know there's gonna be some question marks if he plays if he doesn't play but it's like you know i don't think he's probably been playing much golf the past couple of weeks because of that covid and um you know i, I don't usually need reasons not to play him but they're giving me one anyway and uh, i think it, it could be just a master's thing um for sure for him but yeah i just think that he he's a class you know i don't want to say class below these other guys around him are a class above in terms of talent in my opinion yeah no i, I can see that and to be honest it I think it was really just one round at the Masters. And I think mm-hmm. because it was such a good round, like he just managed to hold on. Like Other than that, I didn't think he was that impressive. Um, I said not to go one by one, but I do want to talk about all of these guys that are in his 8K range. So Bryson looks like he's going to play, as far as I can tell. He um, started posting swing pictures of hitting it 340 again, four weeks after surgery. Um, someone's worth risking or no? It, it would be a great leverage spot because nobody's going to play him. Um, I just don't see – he was playing terrible before the surgery. That's and I what just I'm don't worried th- about. Like, there was, yeah. If it was good before the surgery, but then how much of that was affected by the chain, the, you know, the, the operation that he needed to have? So, um, but even before that, wasn't his, wasn't his form pretty torrid even before kind of the injury worries? I know he had the, the second to count lady obviously referenced earlier, but really since winning Bay Hill, he was kind of disappointing. Like last year, and I just I know you've kind of finished out at the players, but other than that, I thought I thought he was pretty darn disappointing. So I don't think it's not like a Paul Casey. Or I think if you you know, but by the way, he's out. In case anyone hasn't seen that, Paul Casey is out of the of the, uh, of the PGA. I'm sure people have seen that by the time this comes out. But um, 
it's not like him who the last time you saw him he was nearly winning the players championship like the last time we saw Bryson he was still struggling so I, I thought it was worth mentioning but I, I, I won't be playing him Tiger <laughs> you know you obviously catched a nice ticket him making the cut of the Masters um, I didn't think he could do any more than that I, I you know I'm pretty happy with the kind of take that I had on Tiger I thought it would be an achievement if he made the cut and nothing else and that is pretty much what happened and I probably expect the same this week uh, yeah, I expect the same. I do think some things could be in his favor. The fact that it's going to be hot, I think, is good for him and it's good for his body. He's tough. talked about how, yeah, tough. Over the weekend, he said how much the cold weather was really affecting his both his yeah. back and his foot, and that's when his play dropped off. So it makes some sense. So I do think the heat will help him. I think he has some probably good course knowledge. I think the lack of rough, although I said it's easier for most players, for him, um, for him, I think it's especially good. Uh, sorry, difficult for most players, but for him, I think it's easier just because. He's had some trouble when he's had to kind of gouge balls out of the rough and that really hard, heavy swing that he yeah. might not have to make this week. Um, with all that being said, I still think his ceiling, absolute ceiling, is a top 20. And I think you can't play a guy whose ceiling is a top 20 when people around him potentially have a ceiling higher than that. So I am out on Tyrrell Hatton again. Uh, I think Tyrrell Hatton is my easiest person to be out on at the moment. Um Fine if he, if he outperforms my expectations, I haven't got a problem with, with missing that. I don't. There's nothing that I've seen from Tyrrell Hassan of late in majors that makes me want to play him. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, it could be a probably going to be a leverage spot. Uh, you think a lot of people in this range are going to go to guys like Max Homa, um, who I think probably will be pretty popular coming off that win. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I'm just not going to play him. Uh, Connors, people will play, but. Yeah, I just don't. He's just not playing good enough, and this doesn't seem like a place where you can get away with playing bad and gaining, you know, a bunch of strokes putting. It just doesn't seem like that's reliable. Yeah, I, I just don't want to be on him. I, I just think he's been a, a big disappointment in major championships in general. Um, just one of those guys that I just think he hasn't kind of matched the elevation of status in his game. Like, and you know, a, a kind of on a worse scale to Patrick Cantlay, almost like just hasn't been out since he's sort of elevated himself to the top ten in the world. Hasn't played like that is, is kind of my feeling. Um, Cantlay has in regular events, hasn't yet in majors. So um, Corey Connors is interesting because I think that he should be perfect for this. But I, I think that everything kind of points to him having a good week. Uh, you know, he's, he's been impressive. Again, maybe it's a, just a, a Masters thing. Uh, I think that is the one concern. I know he was obviously the first-round leader in this event last year. Um but didn't kind of hold that on. And do you think he's going to be a major contender, or do you think it is just a, a Augusta thing? I can't see him being a major contender, but I think he's just going to do what he always does. Can he, you know, trot along, make some pars, and finish in thirteenth or seventh or sixth? Yeah, he absolutely can do that. Um, but I don't think he, I don't think he can win the event. But with that being said, he obviously doesn't need to. I think his fairways, greens type of game um, is helpful. I don't. He's not incredibly long, um, mm-hmm. which I don't love. Uh, I, I, I don't mind him, but the fact that he's probably going to be popular, there's a couple guys around him who I'd probably rather play. Louis might even be one of them. Yeah, I, I, I'm done trying to figure out what Louis and does. He'll he'll either come second or miss the cut. I, I just, if you like playing Louis, I would play him. If you don't, I think he's pretty easy to ignore. I think that's that's kind of just what I would take with Louis Ustazen. Um Wasn't good at the Masters, would be my... Um, take away. Did he, did he withdraw after the first round? 
Yeah, yeah, he did actually. I forgot about that. Um, but a little strange, and then you get the whole live stuff going on with him, so he, that makes it another question mark. Um, yeah, I, I guess I would be more likely to play him than than Connors probably, just because the uh, ownership discount yeah. you'll get, and the fact how good at majors he was last year. But um, and he was good at a long PGA, I think. So, yeah, but there's still other guys I think could be much safer. Is Max Homer one of those? No. No, because the trouble with Max Homer is he is... I think he's elevated his game to a completely different level this year. I know he's already got the wins that he had before, um, you know, winning last time out at the Wells Fargo. So I don't necessarily think that, you know, his his fourth win um, was, was anything to do with that. But he's just been really, really consistent. I think he's added length to his game, which is important. Uh, my concern with him is exactly the same as what is with Tyrrell Hatton. He is just stunk at major championships. Um, and now he's going to come into a major championship as one of the more popular guys, probably someone that people are going to go to, people are going to bet on, because he has now won four times since whatever it was, 2018, 2019. Like, but everything makes me want to pick Max Homer, and I, and I want to bet him other than the number, um, because I think there's going to be so much waste on his Wells Fargo win. But I don't know what to do. I don't know if just to think that Max Homer is just going to do what he's done in major championships so far. Yeah, I'm in the camp that I don't trust him at majors right now, and I know he's elevated his game. He's a better player than he was when he was, you know, missing cuts at majors. But um, I don't think he's even sniffed a top 20 at a major. I just, you know, with Neiman, it's like he at least was in the mix for two rounds at the Masters, and I think he finished like 30th. And, yeah. Um, but for Homa, you really had just haven't seen anything, and the fact. That combined with the fact of how popular he's going to be, combined with that he's such a fan favorite, just seems like an easy fade spot for me. Yeah, he has missed seven cuts out of a uh, ten in major championships. Ugh. Best finish of fortieth in last year's Open Championship, which, by the way, wasn't an Open Championship. It was no. It was you know it wasn't an Open. It was more akin to what he plays on the PJ Tour. So yeah, I, I think all those kind of things come to an end. Like, I think Joaquin Neiman will contend in one eventually. I think Victor Hovland will contend in one eventually. So if, if, if I'm kind of taking those kind of lines and I don't see why Homer can't follow because I do think he's so good, I just don't think the number's that great um, in terms of betting. And when it comes to a really high ownership of Max Homer, which I'm, which I'm anticipating will be the case this week because he's already a popular guy and he's just won, um, I, I just don't need to do it. I'll, I'll, I'd rather just see it and wishing well if he comes to it but i think this number kind of points to why people bet him at the wells fargo like he's 66 to 1 now best best price to win like mm-hmm. that's what you see regular events of max homer so i know he's he's won but he's been doing that for the last three years it's, it's not it's not a new thing so um interesting I, I think i'm gonna be against him just because he's gonna be so popular and i think that'll probably serve as well yeah, and just again, plenty of other options that you can you can go to that I think have just as good of a chance that won't be popular. And I've actually played well in majors before. It's not like he hasn't contended in majors; he's been awful. There's a difference between yeah, that. And yeah, that, that's know. true. Yeah, like he he's not even been uh, in the case. Now this case is this place is going to be very very popular. Seven K ranges obviously it has to be in major championships, but it starts off with Matthew Fitzpatrick and Tony Fina at seventy nine hundred. You then got Cameron Young at seventy six hundred, who's going to be very popular. Uh, one of the more popular guys normally in this range, Paul Casey, is now out, as we've already said. And I think there's some guys at the lower 7K that are going to be important. So let's talk about those two top guys first. Are you in on Fitzpatrick like you have been? 
Yeah, I don't see any reason not to be, with the exception of maybe popularity. But I think the Cameron Young being below and Homa being above maybe get some people off um, of him. I don't think you know he can win. Uh, I think until he shows me that he can, I have to be off that train in terms of outrights. But 7,900 in terms of the, can he finish top 15, top 10? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll be, I will be in on, on him. Yeah, I think. I think if the ownership's right, I'd be on him. But if it, if it ever started creeping up to something uncomfortable, I would just be out. I don't, I don't need to play Matthew Fitzpatrick. Like, he he hasn't really done it in majors at all ever. Like even when he played well at Augusta, it was kind of off the pace, and you know when things were going wrong for others. So it doesn't necessarily uh, bode well to me. What about Finau? I like Finau. I um, like I said, I like Fitzpatrick, but I probably like Finau a little bit better. Just because he's been so good, Tita Green, and um, you know, I think, uh, well, with the exception of Wells Fargo, he really wasn't good. But at Mexico, he was great, and I think he's the type of guy who could play well here. I don't, again, I don't think he can win, um, but he's going to make birdies, and that's you know, that's big on for drafting scoring. Um, and I think he's long enough, uh, and I, I think he makes some sense. Fifth and seventh, his last two starts in strokes gain around the green as well, which I know. You don't tend to factor in too much, like in general, because it's, it's you know you want to just generally see tees green and approach um, as a collective. But you know, first in tees green in Mexico and top five in around the green is is the perfect recipe, right, for for this golf course. If it'll be red, uh, we know Finau does impress at major championships. My only sort of hesitancy is that he's not the Tony Finau that you're normally playing at these major championships. Like he hasn't played like that for you know a long time. Um, well, I guess obviously he got that win against Cameron Smith, but one thing with this, he's got three top tens in PGA Championships, and I know that sort of you can go for every major championship with Tony Finau, and he's got those in them. But one missed cut versus three top tens in uh, in seven starts is a pretty impressive number for a guy that's at seventy nine hundred, and, and maybe won't be so popular because of the people around him. Yeah, I I, I agree with all that, and that for me that makes him makes him a play. I'm out on answer. Uh, I think that's very easy out on web. I think that's very easy as well. Unless you've got any objections to that. Nope. Good. Uh, then you've got three probably favourites of, of people in the past: Leishman, Scott, and Fleetwood. What do you want to do there? I like all three of them. Okay. Um, I have stars next to all three of their names. Uh, Leishman just made a hole in one uh, oh, good. a couple minutes ago. Um, Couldn't be speed. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bogey for speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. He, you know, I, I like him at difficult golf courses, like him at long golf courses. He's kind of shown that he's decent with that. Um, he's, he's had a rough start this week, but since then he's been, been playing pretty well, a little bit up and down, but, um, you know, I think he's been okay. And maybe hopefully getting into a rhythm, playing a few weeks in a row. Um, and then Adam Scott started off really hot this week, and I don't know what happened to him. I kind of stopped tracking him. I don't know what he's doing now. Um, but he's a guy who I usually like at majors. He's season 38th, not bad. Uh, Four so under like three nine Adam Scott right now. It's yeah. I think I think with Scott it's one of those ones where like I think he knows the window is closing. Like, I think he's very very aware that it's not going to be long before he becomes a little bit irrelevant. Um, whether that's a, whether motivation is enough to outperform some weaknesses in his game recently, I don't know. But uh, you know, full foot Riviera was a decent result. Ninth for the Dividers, a classic start of the year, the DP World Tour, fifth for the CJ Cup. He's had some kind of standout performances. It just concerns me the players and the Masters, he was disappointing. 
Um, would you know? I don't know. It's one of those ones. Adam Scott's got such good swing and such a good all-round game, barring the passing, which has actually been better this season. But you know, it's it's very very hard to discount Scott. I think you you will find places for Scott, especially in the seven K range in your lineups. Mm-hmm. And he just seems safe. I mean, in majors, he really hasn't contended all that much the last few years, but he seems to you know finish in the top twenty a lot and kind of he just seems like an anchor where he's a guy you could plug in and you know maybe you're, if you're lucky he gets into contention but at worst he's not going to blow up your teams most likely i suppose he's kind of like in that paul casey mold where you just kind of although having said that he's lot so i felt the same way but i'm just looking at his recent major record so starting from the masters in 2021 54th miscut the pga first 50 or so open 48 for the masters this year yeah, so great. actually, not not inside the top twenty since the 2019 U.S. Open. Wow. So maybe that changes things because I felt like you. Like I just felt like I, 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 and I think that's the thing with Adam Scott. I think it's the thing with maybe Fleetwood as well. You think about these guys and you think you've seen their names so often in the major championships. You think it's just continued. Um, and we talked about kind of Paul Casey a lot and how he did what he did last year. And I just kind of felt like Scott did the kind of the same things. I think Fleetwood is a better play of those yeah, three. I can, yep, I can get on board with that completely. He's been playing really well. Good around the green, right? Yep. Not so hot on them, which would be the, the slight concern with Tommy Fleetwood. Um, but it's been better with his putter than, than we've seen. Um, 14th at the Masters. Pretty good. 20th. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, again, that's the only concern is that, like, He's had two top 20s in the last three years of majors, and they've both been at the Masters. But he's done. He's had a second at the, at the uh, Open Championship. He's had a second at the US Open, a fourth at the US Open. He's had a 12th in this event before at 2018 as well. But that was kind of like Shinnecock, where it was really, really tough. So if you think, I think the tougher it gets, the more it plays in Tommy Fleetwood's hands. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I do. I do like him. I do like him. He's, well, I think he's a better upside kind of. He's, he is risky. Do you think it's one of those ones where, like, you're looking at him because he's directly, you know, he's the same price as Cameron Young, and you're just looking for ways to get away from Cameron Young? <laughs> I am looking for ways to get away. I, I don't, I don't want anything to do with Cameron Young right now. Um, I just think, at this point, it's just too, he's too unproven, and I know a lot. Of, and the fact that combine that with the fact that how popular he's going to be, um, I think he's going to be double the ownership of Scott and and Tommy and. Maybe Leishman is the play there because he's going to be the least owned out of all of them, and uh, he seems to be getting together. Just made another birdie now. He he, he looks he looks all right. Um, I have no interest in Young. How about you? I have an interest in betting Cameron Young, despite the fact that the numbers not what I want it to be. I don't have an interest in playing him here. I I thought he was a good play for the Masters, Mr. Cut, um, and and that would be my concern. Is that like you see this with all these kind of guys full steam ahead, lots of things behind them going well, really obvious, Mr. Cut. Tyrrell Hatton happens to it a lot. Like these guys, regular PJ Tour and regular DP World Tour events are so different from majors that, you know, it, it, once you get there, the, the feeling must be so. I mean, I've never been a, a PJ Tour golfer, so I don't know what the feelings are like, but from everything of the conversations I've had with them, you know, they just say that the, the aura around a major is so different that, you know, Cameron Young hasn't yet won. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily hold that against him because I feel the same with him, with uh, Will Zalatoris, that I think they can just win big tournaments. I don't think it really matters, but. Um, I'd actually rather play Keegan Bradley. Yeah, well, I mean, to, real quick before before going to Bradley, like Zalatoris has sniffed a major before. Yeah, 
and this guy is just you know he's 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 playing great but he's just so fresh on the scene that i just think i i cannot possibly see him winning the event um it's just another one that it's just another one everyone just wants to be on early right everyone wants to be on the guy the fashionable guy like if cameron young ends up lifting the trophy everyone wants to go here's the ticket i had in him i got him earlier 120 to 1 here's the Mm -hmm. the DraftKings lineup i had with him in it and and that's you know that's fine if people want to play that strategy i absolutely understand it and you know his form is so good and i think he's a good skill set that you know that they're really i don't have anything negative to say about cameron young other than the fact that i felt exactly this way about him at the masters and he was trash and um the ownership's gonna be you know he's not gonna be there you've got two very good barometers of of what it's like to play in these bigger events and he shot an 82-71 at the players and shot 78-77 at the Masters. Mm-hmm. I know the mm-hmm. players was a little bit different uh, this year, but uh, those are the two big events, and that's how they've gone. Yeah, I was out on him for those reasons at the Masters, and that that you know that kind of paid off. And I expect kind of a similar thing this week. It's like, you know, I this isn't the last week's Wells Fargo. It just isn't. It's the major is a different feel to it, like you said, and. He maybe eventually will be that guy, but right now he isn't yet. Uh, you talked about Bradley. He just seems, again, another guy who seems really safe, just the ball striking, and he's playing really, really well. Um, you know, he's probably going to be one of the more popular guys down here, but I would definitely much rather play him than a, than a chalky young. Uh, yeah, I, I can see it. I love Keegan Bradley. I, I love everything about his chances this week. I don't think he can win. I'll just say that off the bat because... I saw what he did at the Wells Fargo, and whilst the fact I think I was more impressed by him than maybe other people were, um, you only got to go back to the Valspar last year and to see how shaky he was in contention. When he won the PJ Championship, he was so new, right? Like, he he won the Byron Nelson, ironically, like that year, and then won the PJ Championship, and I just think he didn't have all the scar tissue that he has now, and, and now every single year that he doesn't win, it gets harder, and every single year that he has you know, some, some troubles on the cream, it gets harder. And I do think he's a very, very good play for this format. I think he's a great person to have in your lineups. Um, I guess he's probably going to be popular for that reason. I'm absolutely fine with that. I'll take it. Um, I do think that kind of Young and, I guess, Taylor Gooch are going to steal some of his ownership. Yeah, you convinced me on him. Uh, Gooch, another guy I was out on last week who wasn't who wasn't great, um, missed the cut, so I'm definitely going to be off him. Yeah, you've definitely convinced me on Keegan. You know, it kind of reminds me of you talk about that scar tissue building up. It's like when you're young, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And when he wins the major, it's like Rory. He comes and rips four of them off, and then all of a sudden pressure starts to build, and now it's even harder for him. So some of the, sometimes, you know, being kind of young and dumb, you you don't really realize how big the moment is until you look back on it. So that could have been the case with him. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a nice little plug and play safe spot in your lineup. Has Jason Day shown you enough? Because I know you run him at the Torrey Pines, and, and I'm just looking at where he's played. So third at Torrey Pines, 15th at Wells Fargo, two very um, you know tough tests. He was terrible on Saturday at, at TPC Potomac. Like there's no getting away from that. Um, but I just everything you kind of hear about the golf course makes me think it'll be really good for Jason Day. And despite the fact that you know kind of since he was winning this in 2015, second in 2016, top 10 in 2017, he hasn't really done it. Even the last four years, 19th, 23rd, 4th, 44th. Like, I think he's he's very live to make the cut. And once he gets in that kind of mix, 
I think it's tougher over the weekend with the wind. I think he's got all the shots. I think he's great around the greens. He's got that kind of imagination. He knows how to chip. Um, I, I think he could surprise a few people, Jason Day. I do too. I'm, I, I like him. I, he's playing much more consistently. And, you know, say what you will about Wells Fargo, but he really had one bad round. Yeah. Um, and it was a tough scoring day. And, he, you know, I think more importantly, he bounced back on Sunday and played pretty well. Exactly that. Yeah. So I'm so I'm I'm fine with that. I think it's a pretty cheap uh, price for him, and I think, you know, it is it is a bit risky, but I think he has higher upside than all these other guys around him. Yeah, and I think that's the point, right? Is I think that, like we've said about the guys at the top, like you trust him when he if he gets himself, despite the fact he shot a 79 the other day, like I still trust him to go. But I don't think okay, that's Jason Day now for the rest of his career. I just think, like no. you said, it was it was a tough scoring day, maybe doesn't care as much about those mm-hmm. kind of tournaments as much as he should do. So, you know, whereas I think he would be really focused in... I think he'd react better leading in a major than he did on Saturday, which sounds ridiculous, he, but I think he cares more and, and it would kind of narrow him in a bit. Yeah, and you know, um, when I was on him at Tory, like, he played pretty well that Sunday too. He was completely yeah. fine. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's an outlier. I mean, he, I mean, the guy's done plenty in his career to, for us to know that he's not uh, a choker when it matters. Billy Horschel out. Out. Yeah. Major's, major record's not great. Form's tailing off. Not too bothered about him. Paul Casey's obviously out. That kind of writes itself. Any one of these Wolf, Woodland, Watson that you want to talk about? No. No, I couldn't be more out on Wolf. Um, Woodland, I just know. I just don't think... I don't trust him at all. Um, when he's supposed to play well, he doesn't. And... Might be a little more popular than these other guys. Baba, no, he's you know I think he's kind of on the tail end here. Um, yeah, how about you? Jason Kokrak. Yes. So you were talking about him. Or we both talked about how good his record was in Texas, right? Uh, two under through seven right now. Seventeen under par, tied eleventh. Likes bent grass greens. Like mm-hmm. seems to perform better on those. Likes this kind of test. I think before Jason Kokrak won, this is the kind of thing that you could see him winning obviously not the PJ championship but this type of golf course i think um i think i think he's an interesting player there at, uh, you know 7300 i think he's so you can totally put your lineups in yeah i'll be playing him and i don't love everyone else around him um you know besides one other guy in the low sevens i'm playing he's probably my go-to guy in the low sevens uh what you know you do have a little bit of concern with him around the green um, not not a, not a great chipping, not great out of bunkers, which there is going to be a good amount of this week. But he usually makes it up with his putter. He's a, he's been he's been uh, you know the top five putter on bent grass greens this season. So in in last season, so yeah, I, I like him. So he's been crappy in majors. Like, there's no getting away from that. Like the 14th place finish at the Masters this year was his best, but the second best was the 17th of the U.S. Open, and then next two were 19th and 23rd in the PGA. So he's been. He's been in and around that kind. All of those finishes kind of pay off the seven-three price tag, right? And and I think you know this is a different Jason Kokratzer who would have played ninety percent of those majors. So I think I think there's an inner belief. I think that if he gets in the hunt, he'd be much better suited to staying up there. I think that this is a better area for him to succeed in. Um, so I think there's a lot to like about to Jason Kokrat. I think the fourteenth at the Masters is probably a really good signal that maybe he. It's probably a bit too late in his career, but maybe he's ready to kind of challenge in these. Yep, I agree. Um, I keep trying to find ways to play Justin Rose. No. You can't. Patrick Reed. no. Nope. Sergio's interesting. 
he's the guy I was going to bring up. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, he can't win. But can't this win. is the trouble that we keep we keep finding ways to back Sergio Garcia and we keep it's paid finding... off though. It has, and he was sixth last time out around the greens. Um, I'm pretty sure his ball striking has been solid enough. Um, approach it was numbers. good at Wells Fargo. Yeah, it's it's been okay, right? And just looking, it's been ages since he missed a cut. Yeah, not since the October. There you go. So I think I think you know, to me, like if you just want a guy that's going to get through the cut, uh, has a lot of upside. Uh, we know what Sergio Garcia is at this rate. Like you've just said straight away, he can't win. Like that's probably more than fair. Like he hasn't looked like winning since he won the Masters um, in terms of major championships, and I don't think I don't think he probably will ever win one again. I think that's probably a, a pretty fair assessment because his mind and, and mindset and the kind of approach to these events have completely changed since he won that. I think that was a pretty much a lifetime achievement. He got it and got out of there. Um, with that said, I, I do think that he can kind of rack off a top 15, top 20 finish, and that's all we need him to do. Yeah, and I think. The, the 23rd at the Masters was a great sign because he was horrible in basically every major since he won the Masters. Yeah. And I think that maybe that he can kind of exhale now and say, you know, maybe I'm not going to win, but I can play well in these events. Um, and I think people just don't like Sergio. I know and I don't think that I know people don't like Sergio. And especially with all this live news coming out, you have people who probably won't even play him because of that. And they're, you know, one, they're going to wonder if he's mentally motivated to win when he's kind of focusing on this event that's going to take place early June. Um, so I think that will drive ownership away from him. But, you know, 7,200 and low owned, and he's coming off 26, 23rd, 21st. Two of those three is the players in the Masters. So I think it's a good a good place to kind of pivot. So the, the downside to Sergio Garcia is kind of elaborating what we were just touching upon with the major championships. He's missed seven of his last 10 PGA Championship cuts. Uh, and when he's made it, he's best of 36th. Um, and it was 12th before that. So... Something about the PGA Championship setup, something. But then I think his form's just been in and out so much over the last few years that it's really hard to kind of see him being good at major championships. And he's had the kind of thing of, I mean, was it 2017 that he won the Masters? Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the period that we're looking at, I suppose. You know, I think it's just been my brain hasn't kind of registered how long it's been since he won that Masters. Like maybe this is a turning point, like you said, just kind of finishing well at the Masters. So. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I think he's. I think he's good. In the same mold, I kind of like Luke List. Um, I don't like Luke List. I, you, you can probably tell me better than this, better than I know. But I, I don't know. Is, has he been? How's he been at majors in his career? So he finished sixth in a PGA. Is kind of all I remember. He had, mm-hmm. um, and I think it was at uh, where was it? It was either Bell Reeve or it was Bethpage Black, which is, is which is the one that I kind of think could be a really good pointer because I think the, the length of the course was similar it was a par 70 as well um, and, and he shot he had a final round 74 which actually took him he he, stayed, he went from 2nd to 6th but he was already miles away so I think he probably tried to push it a little bit uh, but in the end he only actually kind of dropped back a couple of spots from shooting a 74 so um, I think that kind of points to how difficult it was on that final day and I just, I just think that he's shown a little bit in recent weeks again the ball striking's back there uh, you, you know he's going to struggle with the putter. Like, I think he had an all-time putting week at Torrey Pines, and that was it. That's kind of what got him over the line. But um, I don't know. I, I just think I think he's another guy that I think you could rely on. Yeah, I mean, you know me. I stay away from these fan favorites, and I just think he's one of those guys who people are going to look at and want to play. And um, 
I, I, I can definitely see it because the tee to green has been very, very good. But there again, there are other guys who I think like Thomas Peters, I think is a similar skill set. Hmm. Um, but he, he was he was terrible at the Masters whenever we wanted to play him, right? Uh, but he's playing well this week, isn't he? Uh, he finished top 10, I think he finished, uh, at least Sadao Open at home. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm done with Thomas Peters. He, he scares me. I've, I kind of got my win and got out on him. That's absolutely fine. Um, I think there's a collection of ball strikers here. I mean, that these guys are all in the same mold, right? Sepp Stracker, Lutlis, Russell Henley. Obviously, Sepp Stracker's got the most recent memory of winning. Um, Siwoo Kim's there, hitting the ball well. Um, none of those guys particularly piqued my interest. Lutlis did, and I just looked at his major record while we're talking. It's, it's absolutely horrible. Outside of that top six, his best is a 39th and no, 33rd in the Masters 2005. So, uh, yeah, I'm not so hot on Lutlis now, but I do think he's probably a decent value play. Um, is Maverick McNeely playing well enough to, to be considered for the PJ? Not for me, but I'm sure for many people he will be. Uh, he's yeah, he's playing well. Um, he's I don't know. I don't really think of him in a long major. Like Maverick McNeely doesn't really come to my mind. And also, I think again, just birdie fest probably suit him better. And you know, that's absolutely fine. That's what you you know face week to week on the PGA Tour, right? So being good at those is not a bad sign. Is Tom Hoagie ready to to kind of step up and do something in the major championship? Uh, no. <laughs> it, it, it just it just felt like it you know the, the kind of long iron play he you know, we know he can do it around the greens when he's in form he's 16 under par currently i don't know just i just think that kind of being near texas kind of helps him um, mm-hmm. I, I think he's another one of those guys that kind of fits that mold i, I don't know i don't I, these are just naming names here but i like i like another guy a little better than him and i don't know i typically don't like this guy but he's just rating out really well for me um and that's Cameron Tringali. Yeah. He's he's played well at uh and I and I actually don't like the don't like him as a, a golfer and it's kind of his shtick and you know he's kind of strange but um <laughs> he's played he's played well on tough golf courses third at the Farmers he was seventh in Houston which I'm not saying is tough second at Zozo um he's done done well on bent he's done well in difficult conditions third at last year's Valspar very good in Texas like you mentioned um and you talk about small greens, he was good at Pebble Beach, too. So, again, we're looking for guys I know who can come to the top 30 right now. So I'm not saying I think he can contend or anything, but I kind of like him better than, like, a hoagie. I just – I have PTSD from Cameron Trigali. I decided to try and bet him once at 30 to 1, and luckily he withdrew and saved oh. me, that, uh, saved me <laughs> that, that kind of fear. But I've been kind of chasing a good performance from him, thinking it's going to come, and I played him a couple of times in, um, you know, DFS and – I think it might have been Pebble, might have been Bay Hill, whatever, where he miscuts and the players was the same. But you know, 12 foot at the Heritage, 33rd at Mexico was a good signs. Uh, it would be an all world performance for Chairman Trigali to be in the top 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, to- he was 26th for the Open last year, and that was his best performance by a stretch uh, in the major championships. 38th at the Masters is his next best. So, and that's in a what? 60 70 man field realistically so um i don't know about cameron Trigali. it's tough now we're, we're at the tough stage and i think i think actually rather than taking kind of risks with these kind of upper seven guys there will obviously we've got to talk about some of them but i actually think the upside of some of the, the lower 6k guys is probably more interesting 
Uh, but let's just quick fire go for. I'm going to go just give me a yes or no, and then if you say yes, we'll elaborate. Lee Westwood. Uh, no. <laughs> Alex Noren. No. Harold Varner the third. No, he's going to be really popular. Noren and Varner are going to be the two popular guys right here, but I'm out on both of them. Ian Poulter. No. Too long. Seamus Power. He's playing well, but too long for me. Are we? Yeah, I, I feel like we're, we're waiting for a Seamus Power bounce back that isn't coming. Uh, Brian Harmon. No. Ricky Fowler. No. So I want to talk about Ricky Fowler, and I don't, I don't, I don't, okay. I don't necessarily think that he can do anything too special. But I think this is, you know, I know, is he pretty much just in through an invite? I think he's still at the tail end of a five-year exception he got from winning the players. Right. Okay. So T21 at the Wells Fargo. Now I know that's a tournament that he's played well at before. It was a different golf course, obviously, than what he's done before. Two bookend rounds, 66, 68, were really impressive from Ricky Fowler. I just wonder if that is enough for him to kind of show something. I mean, you know, you go back to the PJ Championship last year, which is his last major start, eighth place. Yeah. 29th for the Masters, the 2020. 49th for the uh, US Open major uh, in 2020. And then, yeah, missed the cut in the 2020 PGA. So it just feels like when he's kind of got to these big weeks, he does seem to make the cut and, and do something. And we know what Ricky Fowler's past performances are in major championships. Like, uh, you've got to kind of separate that from what he is now, um, which, which is important. But I do think he's a guy that, as I've said about a couple of others, that if he can just make that cut and get some confidence behind him, he could really outperform this kind of 7K price tag. He, he showed some something at Wells Fargo. He was good. Um, a lot of it was with a putter, but he did gain 2.5 strokes on approach. So, yeah, he's a, he has a higher upside play. Um, and hopefully it'd be nice to see if maybe he's kind of trending upwards. And if he was, this would be a nice spot to kind of get in on him when no one else really is, and he's very cheap. I think that's the thing. Like We, we were used to playing like Ricky Fowler you know, when he was tailing off on 7, 8, 8K, 8, 2, chasing this kind of turnaround performance, it never came right. And now you're going to get him at 7K and, and get an opportunity to do that. And I think that's kind of important. So um, Christian Bezwedenhout was... I was looking at the PGA Championship last year and I thought he was inside the top 10, which he wasn't. So that must have just been for... A, yeah, so it must have been through 54 holes. So through 54 holes, he was... T5 uh, at the PJ Championship last year. Playing well this week as somewhere that I really wouldn't expect him to. He's 18 under par inside the top 10. Is there any interest in Christian Pazuit now? Who we know is decent around the greens and you know can keep it in play. I, I just don't think he's long enough to really contend in this championship. Yeah, I thought for the Masters, I kind of had a similar train of thought, and he finished 44th. He wasn't great. I just, I'm not going to get there, but I do understand. Well, I just think, again, I think this is a perfect, very similar to what we just said about Ricky Fowler. Like, I think people have been chasing this Bezweden kind of performance in a major for, for a long time because everyone was, there was people who were just talking about it like it was a certainty that he was going to contend at one one day, and I never really understood that kind of like interest because he's never actually done anything. But. You know, just just that decent performance last year. He was thirty first in the U.S. Open as well. I just I just wonder if he's the type of person that can just outperform a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think him and Ricky Fowler are interesting. Seven K. I think I I would sprinkle them in in some respect. Robert McIntyre. Yep. Uh, he's 
it's going to be a no for me, but I, he's long. Um, he he do, makes some sense. He kind of he played well at Augusta um, two years ago. I forget what he did this year. I don't think he made the cut. Did he? Uh, at, at Augusta, he was uh, 23rd. Okay, yeah, he was good. Um, and the previous year, he was great. So, yeah, he, he I like the Augusta comp, and I like the fact that he's played well in majors. Uh, I, I haven't really typically played him much, um, but he's kind of a higher upside talent type of play, I guess. Um who seems safer than another higher upside talent guy like a like a Nikolai or a you know Lucas Herbert or you know yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't be chasing those guys I think he's the type of one that can stick around like you say his major record is pretty impressive two top twenty three finishes at Masters two top eight finishes at the Open thirty fifth year so he's made every cut every major he's played wow so in his first eight major starts he's made all the cuts sixty uh, sixth and forty ninth in this I don't. I, I don't see him doing a lot in America. I think that's the thing. I think, you know, if he's going to win a major championship, it would be like Shane Larry and win at the Open Championship. But he just doesn't seem to settle down in America as much as I think he should. Um, the soul of Francesco Molinari. Yeah. Um, I wish, but I'm going to say no. Ryan Palmer? No. But he does have the kind of Texas angle, and he played really well this week. He was horrible down the stretch. He was disgusting Saturday last night, wasn't he? He was yeah. absolutely terrible. But uh, it's interesting, Ryan Palmer, because if the Texas thing, Texas to Oklahoma thing kind of counts, then that, that's a big thing. He makes cuts in majors and doesn't really do anything else is, is the thing. I think he's got a fifth in this event in 2014. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much out on, on Ryan Palmer. Uh, I'm going to say no to anyone... Cameron Champ? He's the one I, I is a yes for me. Um, you think the around the green type stuff is similar to Augusta, which he's been awesome. Uh, he's been trending the last couple of weeks, you know, four or five weeks. Been, he's been playing really, really well. Um, he has the, the, the distance here that you that I think you're really going to want. Um, and then this week, he's playing okay. He made the cut. He's uh, 11 under par. Not great, but I think, um, you know, might get some ownership because of that distance, but um, he's a guy I could take a chance on. I think there's a lot of upside. I think if it isn't, if it's going to play anything like Masters, then that's obviously a bonus, right, for someone like Cameron Champ. I think he's a guy that turns up in these big events. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to go in on Cameron Champ. I, I do like him. I, I was disappointed by this week, so I thought he would play better. But you know, he's he's not playing bad golf. He's just not playing good enough to keep up in, you know, the scoring fetch. You know, that could yep. be. Um, I don't know quite how he's done it. I don't I'm just. When I'm looking at it and see if there's anything in play about his kind of ball striking while we're talking about Cameron Champ, because I just wonder if let me just have a look where Cameron Champ is in terms of iron play. Okay, so he is currently third on the day with his irons. This is front nine on on Sunday. Um, he's gained strokes every day of his irons in approach. Forty first, seventieth, thirty eighth. I completely forgot when we started talking about him, but I actually, so I had him outright uh, when he won the Fortinet last year yeah. and, um, you know, won a bunch. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to put a couple bucks on him to win the PGA next year because I think if there's any major he can win, he's one of those guys that can just picture like winning one PGA and then that being it. Yeah. And that's kind of what his career looks like looking back on it. And I think at 150 to one. So, you know, there was a time when I thought there's something he could do and I still, you know, I don't think he's going to win, but I, I think he is that type of upside. Are we assuming that Sebastian Munoz is going to be popular now? He's had the week that he's had. I imagine he will be, yeah. And we can just easily go against that because we don't want to trust Sebastian Munoz to replicate that back-to-back? Yeah, I'm not going to trust uh, 6K Chalk, although the, there's one guy uh, in 
Mito at 67 who might make that tough because I just think it's a really really good fit for him. Yeah, I do, and and I as much as I've I've been trying to go anti Mito Pereira for a long time just to be against the kind of grain. I think that was that was the only reason I was doing it right. Um, he's he's a great golfer and and he's a good golfer for this kind of test. Aaron Wise and Matt Kuchar. I was somewhat interested in Kuchar just because I, I kind of thought about last year in Kiowa and that whole narrative that short guys can't compete there. And he's so good around the greens and he's been playing pretty well. The, the worrying part is it's all been with the putter. And then yeah. last year the putter regressed and he finished 44th. So probably not, but I, I was thinking about it. Is Kisner going to do something just to, just to just for everyone to be really confused by the fact that he says he can't ever win major championships every time he gets to one and then... He just feels like a guy that you see pop up at these big events that he shouldn't contend in. And he's 6,800, and I think he can kind of make a cut and finish top 30. I would say that if he was a little better this week, but he just he isn't really playing that well right now. He missed the cut, right? I think, I think he yes, missed the he cut did. this week. Um, there, he was on TV Friday the whole day for some reason. He was one under par. I have no idea why they kept showing him. No idea. I guess <laughs> maybe he's bought himself a package. I, I'm just looking, though. So... PJ Championship, he's gone miscut, 18th, 7th, 12th, miscut, 19th, miscut. Like that's four top 20s in seven starts in the PJ Championship. So he either misses a cut or finishes top 20. And I just I just think with the wind blowing, it's kind of close proximity to Texas. Uh, you know, people, you're going to get a lot of bitching about the, around the greens and stuff like that. I think he's the type of guy that relishes that kind of test when everyone else is throwing their toys out the pram. I, I could just see... Kevin Kisner kind of sneaking into a top 30, top 20 position. Yeah, it would be probably a sneaky play because everyone says, like, he, he says himself he can't compete on the on these type of courses, and then, you know, people will talk themselves out of it that way. So I think it could be a good pivot. Sam Horsfield has just won the Sadal Open. Um, you know, he, he's just beaten Ryan Fox, who's another person that would be interesting to talk about in a minute. Sam Horsfield's weird because he's got, I think, in terms of, the regular DP World Tour players that haven't quite made the jump, I think he's the one with the most potential. I think I think he's a really, really solid player. His ball striking is great. When you look at his finishes so far this year, uh, or even going back to the tail end of last year, so tail end of last year, he was 12th at the Portugal Masters, 44th at Dubai, then he was 9th at the DP World Tour Championship, and then starts 2022 with 12th at Abu Dhabi, 4th at the Dubai Desert Classic, withdrew from the Saudi, despite the fact that I'm pretty sure he was... He'd shot at 64 on the opening day, and then he was 21st at the British Masters before winning this week. So the form is really, really good for Sam Horsfield right now. Uh, I remember betting him for last year's PGA Championship, and he was three under, I think, on the first day, and he was within a couple. And then he failed to break 80 uh, in the second day and kind of broke my heart. But... I just see him doing something at some point in a major championship. And I think if it's going to be one, it's going to be the PGA championship. I think the scoring is going to be too tough for him. I do think he likes this kind of like birdie fest type thing, but you know, he's got some pretty good scouts. Both of his first uh, DP world tour victories were over Thomas Dietrich, someone that people kind of always want to get on. He's just beaten Ryan Fox by two strokes after Ryan Fox went in with the lead. So, you know, in terms of the level that he's playing at, he beats decent, you know, competition just hasn't quite done it on the pj tour when he's gone over that that would be my slight concern but unlike many of these other european players who come over like nikolai for example that have the talent like he's actually shown something it, it hasn't been a, a whole lot but he, he does have a 14th at the api in 2018 yep. 
um, 33rd there as well. So he's actually had some a couple of decent finishes, unlike a lot of these guys. And I think, you know, talent play, he makes some sense. There was one guy above him who I kind of was interested in, and that's Minwoo Lee, mm-hmm. who after he was 14th at the Masters. Um, talk about distance. He hits it really far. And we've seen Australians play well in this area of the country. Um, and I think that, you know, that maybe could translate. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he's... You know, it's all about distance. He's the guy, right? You don't you don't need to be any longer than the Minwoo Lee is. Um, I was really impressed with what he did at the Masters because he'd been pretty disappointing. You know, we, everyone was kind of expecting this kind of breakout from him um, after a really solid. You know, he won that Scottish Open, then he was really solid at the tail end of last year, carried that into the start of this year, but then just did nothing. And I was a bit like, you know, Mr. Cut Pebble, Mr. Cut Riviera, Mr. Cut Bay Hill. And you kind of felt like, right, is this not his level? Miss the cut of the Valero the week before the Masters. Then he goes and finishes 14th there. And I don't know, does he lean into the fact that he's kind of got Adam Scott and Leishman and Jason Day and, and people like that that he can kind of lean on and get their Augusta experience? I don't know. Um, I, I've just been disappointed when he has made the step up as a general point. I think I think he's just been disappointing in the bigger events. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's fair, but... Um... You know, there's upside, right? Yeah, I, I think I'd rather play him than, than Horsfield, um, because I just saw him do it at the Masters, and yeah, um, and that makes me feel a little bit better about him. And plus, the distance that he has, I think, is is really good. Um, so I was kind of hoping to lean on you a bit about some of these other European guys who have been playing well lately. You have uh, Pablo there, you have uh, Arnos and uh, Harding, and any of these guys you think can can transfer over, even Burned. So I was interested in Burned because I think I think Burned has just been so good uh, at Green for so long. Uh, yeah, I think he's had a decent finish at the PGA uh, Championship before. Justin Harding, I don't know, not not necessarily. I know he played well at the Masters that year, right? He was not long enough, probably, right? Probably yeah. not long enough. Um, Arnaus, I don't think will cope with the situation. I think I think it means too much to him to, to come into this kind of event, and he's only just one recently which uh which doesn't bode well for me i don't know if he's gonna be someone that's gonna have a little bit of a a little bit of a lean period was that who else did you say um pablo is coming off a couple of wins isn't he he's playing really really well really really good golf and i think i think the trouble with him is like we have this kind of conception and i had it definitely that he's really streaky and volatile and and all those sort of things, and, and he was. But when you look at his early part of his career, he was actually quite consistent on the DP World Tour and European Tour, and that's where he's been this year. But when you look at his major record, he is terrible. And mm-hmm. I guess that's generally just based on the fact that he is inconsistent. But he has played in seven Open Championships and made three cuts, best place for 30th, and he's played in seven PGA Championships and made one cut with the best of 45th. So um, I think we know what Pablo Larafbao is, Um if he makes that cut, that's fine. Then you know that's that's kind of all you need him to do. Uh, it would just scare me. I, I would probably rather just play. I think because like the likes of Horsfield and and that have been over on the PJ Tour and played it more, um, that would kind of I'd kind of lean into that. I think you want people that have been and, and played it. Maybe, right. Same with Burned, I think as well. He's kind of he's kind of frigid between the two at times. Stuart um, Sink was a guy that I was on for the top 20 at the Masters and thought he was going to be a sneaky play and he wasn't because he missed the cut uh, by a shot right yeah 
And I, I felt like he was the type of guy that if he got through, he could have been decent, right? In his last two PGA Championships, he's finished 4th and 30th. Now, the 4th was a little, little time ago, but 30th last year, coming back to a little bit of form again. I, I think the golf course is going to get away from him, and that, that's you know pretty much applicable to most people down here. But it was good to see him bounce back from those kind of... Because he, he finished 7th at the Valspar, and it felt like he was turning a corner. Then he missed two cuts, and... Oh, sorry, he didn't miss two cuts. He finished 68 for the Heritage after missing the cut of the Masters. But the ninth at the Wells Fargo was kind of promising. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. Um, uh, I, I can, can see it, I guess. Um, you know, the one guy who I kind of like better than a lot of these guys is Lahiri. Yeah, so let's talk about Lahiri because that's who I wanted to talk about. I think he is the best 6K golfer. I agree. By, by and... a distance as well. Yeah, and it's, it's not going ownership. I, I think will be something, but it's not going to get out of control. Uh, and he's playing so well. I mean, he what what else does this guy have to do? Yeah, I, I think Lahiri is is definitely the best player in the six K range, and I'm glad you're on him because I was I was making sure I wasn't going mental. But top five at the PGA Championship in 2015, uh, Whistling Straits, which was a pretty difficult golf course. It's been pretty disappointing. Since then, in major championships, he's actually only made one cut, and it was when he finished 75th in this tournament. But, you know, uh, he's not a guy that is in that kind of form very often, and he is now. He's playing some of his best golf for his career again, and, uh, yeah, I think it's a good time to be on Adam Lahiri. And he's shown that he can do it in a big on the big stage, like the players. Like I said a couple of weeks ago when I bet him at in Mexico, was that, he really impressed me with how he played on the big stage. He did not choke on Sunday. Not, he didn't do anything to make me think he couldn't handle the moment. And that was a big, big, big moment for him. So um, I think it's a great spot. Yeah, I mean, look, when you look at where Lahiri's played his best golf in terms of uh, the world rankings, so he, second at the players was his best ever performance, despite the fact he's won uh, three times on the on the Asian or DP World Tour. Sorry, no, he's won way more than that on the Asian Tour, but... On the, the, the DP World Tour events, he's won twice. Um, second at Memorial, big event. Fifth at the PGA Championship, as I already referenced. Third at the CRB Classic, which always gets a good field. Sixth at the WGC Bridgestone. Ninth at the BMW, which is a playoff event. That's a lot of really impressive performances and like spread out of his career as well. And now he just seems to be in that kind of form again. You know, what is it? Second, 13th, 66th, 15th, 6th. Like, that's such a good run. Um, yeah, I like Anaban Lahiri. Just to, I don't necessarily think he's going to pull up any trees, but I, I certainly think a top 20, top 30 is within his scope of finishes. Yeah, and it, what everyone's going to do here is go to Adam Hadwin, who's basically free. Yeah. So I, I think that might take some um, uh, take some ownership off of Lahiri, who I think is... I'd rather play Lahiri than Hadwin right now. Just a side note. Have we got an eight-way tie for the lead at the Byron Nelson right now? We do. Eight guys at 20 under. Oh, my God. So, but, and one of those is Hideki, we spoke about. One of those is Xander, who we spoke about. Who has a 740 to get to 21. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Justin Thomas is there. There's going to be some switches. From this conversation that we're having now to tomorrow, there's going to be some huge switches in ownership based on what happens today, I think, because you've got Xander who's tied for lead, Justin Thomas is tied for lead, Hideki is tied for lead, Jordan Spieth is tied for lead. Now, we hope that Jordan Spieth breaks out of this mould very quickly. Um, wow. Eight people yeah. tied for lead. Let's, we're going to have to wrap things up, Matt, and go and watch this uh, this final round. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
I've kind of mentioned all the names. Now we've kind of gone to Lahiri. I've kind of mentioned that there was a couple. I think JJ Spawn's playing very, very well. I can see him kind of making a cut and, and finishing top 30. I've got no problem with that. I think Ryan Fox is too cheap. He's the same price as Y.E. Yang for reference. So, um, <laughs> you know, that, that's just as in terms of actual um, talent level. He, he's too good to be down there at 6,300. Same with Lanto Griffin, but I think there might be some popularity there. But Juyong Kim surprised me because he's a guy that hasn't played well when he's stepped up to the PGA Tour until this week. He's just he's just been playing well in Texas. You know, he's, he's three under through nine today. Uh, that's got him at 16 under. He's inside the top 20. That's all I've wanted to see from Juyong King is to make this step up because he has been an absolute phenom on the, the Asian Tour, um, which is form that generally gets overlooked. But since the start of 2022, he's won the Singapore International, finished second at the Singapore Open, 45th at the Saudi, then he had a bit of a lean period, 17th, 23rd. He missed a cut in Qatar, and then he's gone second, full fifth, and then whatever he does this week. Like, yeah, he, he can make a cut. Yeah, he's playing great. He's playing great. Um, that definitely makes some sense. And the last guy I wanted to run by you was Burmy. I mean, he <laughs> pumps it out there, doesn't he? He's, he's a big hitter, and I don't know really what else. He's a streaky putter. Um, he scares the life out of me, Dean Burmeister, because he's just so... Like, even at 6,200, it feels like a free square, but he, he really isn't. He could be... He can miss that cut. I, don't, I just... How many guys so made the cut here? I think 65 in ties, I think. Okay. Eight, eight times he's played on tour. He's only missed the cut twice. And he has two top 30, 33s and two top 35s in WGCs. One for one in the PJ Championship made cut. Yep. It's, pretty good, it's a pretty good sign, right? I mean, talent-wise, he is... One of the better on the DP World Tour, but it's very, very volatile. And and it and he's kind of hit a real high point of his career, and I don't know if he's quite dealt with it. He didn't break 73 when he finished 59 for the PGA Championship. So I could see something like that, like just going 73, 73, 72, 71, and finishing 40th. Like I think yep. that, that is within the realms of possibility. Um, other than that, I do not see anything else happening. I'm just seeing if there's any guys... Uh, in this kind of because it just seems to be funny like why is Adam Hadwin so far down uh, at 6300 I'm just expecting to skip past someone that's been really cheap for some reason but I think JJ Spawn 6400 is cheap Anaban Lahiri 6500 we love 6300 with obviously Hadwin's fine but Griffin and Fox I mean Hadwin's going to be so popular you just don't need to do it Um, I have no one else to talk about down there I want to ask you this. If you had to play two guys who primarily play on the DP World Tour, who would they be? If I had to pick two guys from the DP World Tour. So. That's a good question. Robert McIntyre. Mm-hmm. And... Probably Horsfield. Okay. Probably Horsfield. I, th- I think I think they're the two with the biggest upside, and I think that's what you need in these major championships. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. Um, I think Harding's cool. safer than at least one of those. I think he's a right. safe player. I think I think what he did at the at Augusta was really good. But again, I just 
Anything I don't like about these South Africans playing well, um, the Australians playing well at the Masters, I just feel like they, they absorb all that kind of information from those past champions and it just it lends itself to a really good performance one week. But, you know, Harding's made a cut in the PGA Championship, finished 54th in 2019. So, I don't know. Yeah, Horsfield and um, McIntyre for me. All right. So let's, let's summarise that. That's a very long conversation. I think that was good, though, Matt, because I think that we were kind of, this was our process, right? It was our way of breaking it down. That's how we look at it as individuals. And we've kind of just been doing it, bounce off each other at the same time. So anything you wanted to add before you go into our favorite place? No, I was going to say, I just, you know, it's going to be a little bit longer, especially just because there's so many good plays. There are so many good players. And there's like, you know, some weeks we're searching for guys we actually like. Now it's harder to eliminate guys that we... Exactly that. Like, you've got to find reasons not to play people, right? And and mm-hmm. and for the most part, I think we do a pretty good job of that up the top. I think we, we're quite quick to rule the people we don't rule out and find it harder as you go down. But I think that that's natural, right? I think once people are cheap, it's like, ah, oh, just play them if you want to. And I'm very much like that in terms of betting as well. I get so many messages like, what do you think of so-and-so at 350 to 1? I mean, does it matter? Does it matter what I think? Yeah. Like... Don't have a coffee right. that way. You can get a ticket on the 350 to one guy. And you yeah. know, if I say no and he wins, I'm you know I'm not going to look very good. So um, yeah, in terms of the the low price guys, I think it was interesting to point out some of the DP World Tour guys that that were interesting and maybe like Ji Young Kim as well. Absolutely. 10k and above. Who is your favourite player of the week? I'm going to go Justin Thomas. I, too, am going to go to Justin Thomas, which I didn't want to necessarily just agree with you, but I find it difficult to disagree. 9K. I'm between Cantley and Matsuyama, but I'm going to take Cantley. I'm going to go Hideki, so I'm glad you said that. Um, although the way Xander's playing right now is, is kind of intriguing, but mm-hmm. um, 8K. I'm going to go with Neiman. I've asked you this, and I haven't really considered it myself. I think I'm going to go... I think I'm just going to eat the chalk and go with Zalatoris, because I think he's the guy that I think can win in that range. Uh, 7k, then. This is packed. Mm. This is loaded. Yeah, there's a lot of tough choices here. Um, After what I see today, I'm going to go with Mark Leishman. I'm going to go with Keegan. Uh, and just hope that the ownership stays down there a little bit because he's right next to Cameron Young on there. And then that leaves... Let's maybe take another one from the lower 7Ks because I think that's that's a, a tough area mm-hmm. to kind of pick. So let's go maybe 7 to 7-3. Seven, I'm going to go Sergio. Okay. I'm going to go with Kokrak. I think Kokrak's quite interesting. He's... he's uh, Kokrak too, yeah, yeah. I like that. And then 6K... Again, let's let's break it up. So we'll go six and a half and above, and six and a half and below. Top, he- uh, well, Lahiri's right in the middle. He's going to be mine. I don't know. If yeah, you can, that could be your bottom guy. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's the bottom guy for the top. I will go with. Um, I I kind of have a feeling about Minwoo Lee. I'm going to go with him. Interesting. So. I'm going to go with Horsefield 6-7. And I'm going to go with... I like JJ Spawn at 6-4. I just, I just, there's just something about JJ Spawn. I think, I think I'm think just buying into this narrative that he was just he just sucked for a little while because of this diabetes issue. Now he's got that source out. And it kind of reflects in 
in what he's doing in terms of his form. Uh, hasn't played quite as well as I hoped to this week, but he's still 14 under for the week. Um, so JJ Spawn. So Matt, I think that's the, the PJ Championship DraftKings preview wrapped up. Uh, we now have an eight-way tie for... Oh, no, it's just now changed again. So we've got a three-way tie for lead with Xander, James Harden, and KH Lee. Uh, so we need to go and cheer Spieth home. Um, do it. Where is he? He's in the front side bunker on six on the on the par four. I think that's an okay spot. That's fine. I don't know where the pin is today, though. Let's, uh, let's hope he goes and gets that and ties the lead. Let's do it. Thanks, Matt. 